0: As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment
1: so more people can see it.
0: Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we're so glad to be with you. It seems like it's been forever since Friday, and we have just been waiting to sit down here with you and go back to our subject about spiritual warfare and spiritual armor. But I want to tell you, if you need somebody to pray with you, write to us, prayer at renner.org, or call us. We really want to pray for you. But hey, I want to welcome my team members on this side of the camera. We know you're with us, and we want to say thank you for being with us. But tonight, I have to begin with Paul Renner. Hey, Paul. Hi, how are you? Paul, very interesting. clothes. Uh- Yes, this is my helmet of salvation. Do you like it? Well, it's actually not your helmet of salvation. It's not? But it's a symbol of your helmet of salvation. I like it. I was thinking about wearing it every day. Well, the truth is you kind of do wear it every day. Okay. And we're going to find out this week that the helmet of the Roman soldier was really the most noticeable piece of weaponry that a Roman soldier had. And see that plume? Do you think so? See The that most plume? noticeable piece of <laughs> <laughs> okay, Now listen, see that plume of hair that goes out of the top? We see it. On a Roman soldier that was made out of horse hair, but the more celebrated you were, it went all the way down your back. And sometimes it was not just, it was horse hair all tied together 12 feet long. It's Pretty long. Now just imagine a guy walking around with a helmet like that and hair draping down Colored like that for 12 feet, would you notice that guy? Yes, I think it would be I very noticeable. It would be very noticeable. And we're going to find out as we continue that salvation is the most noticeable thing God has done in our lives. Isn't that exciting? Mm, I
2: love that. You know,
0: Denise, we've talked many times that we've been sitting in airport lounges across the world. We can look across the lounge and say, That's a believer. We've never talked to them, we have no relationship, but we can just tell by looking at them, That's a believer. You can see when somebody is saved. Absolutely, isn't that the truth?
2: Absolutely. I just—it's been a while since I've been on an airplane, but when I was, the last uh, stewardess that I—I I saw, I looked at her and I thought, she's a believer. And then a few hours later, she walked by, and and she noticed my Bible and she
0: said, "I'm a believer." You can see it. I you can see it. Can see she it. has a helmet of salvation. Okay, Paul. You don't have to wear that the whole program. What what will happen if I take it off? You might look a little more normal. Okay. (laughs) But Thank you for showing us the Roman helmet. It's a lot of fun. Somebody wrote and said, where did you get all that weaponry? Well, these of course are not original. These are replicas. And Denise and I bought these in the city of Rome, not far from the Pantheon. We brought them home because I've written books on this subject. In fact, I have a whole book called "Dress to Kill, A Biblical Approach to Spiritual Warfare and Armor. It's on this subject of spiritual weaponry, which is based on Roman armor. You need to have a copy of this book. Today I'm going to read a little bit from it. And by the way, I also want you to get my study guide called The Infilling of the Holy Spirit, because the way you walk in this weaponry is when you walk in the power of God, the power of God dresses you in this weaponry. You don't have to get up every morning and say, now I'm going to put on my helmet, now I'm going to put on my breastplate, now I'm going to pick up my shield. No, 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 no. If you're walking in the power of God, it's automatic. The power of God is what dresses you in the whole armor of God. I will prove that to you in this book. So as long as you're walking in God's power, you are dressed in this weaponry. You are. If you're not walking in the power, you have dropped your weaponry, and I'm going to show you today how to pick it back up again. But... That's why I want you to have this, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is the key to walking in the power. And if you're walking in the power, then you're going to walk in this weaponry. And by the way, while you're ordering this, please look at our other study guides. They are marvelous. Renner.org, go to the store. Here's one called, Do You Want to Be Healed? Right now, everybody's talking about the coronavirus. We can be healed. It's tragic that people get sick. But Jesus offers us healing. Or how to keep the devil out of your house. You know, right now people are trapped in their houses and they feel the devil has crossed the line and is in their home. Well, how do you push him back across the line? That's what this study guide is about. Or how about foundations of faith? Do you know that right now, during this time, when people are trapped in their homes, more Christian TV, more Christian programs are being watched right now in this concentrated period than in any previous period of history? And Bible sales are so high that most bookstores are sold out of Bibles. I have never heard that before. People have like turned to the word of God. They want to know what the Bible says. And that's why you need this called foundations of faith. What you need to know to become a mature believer. I I have
1: a small story and this is fun. There's a church in Armenia right now that are delivering Bibles. Kind of like you'd have pizza delivery. You know, you can still have pizza delivery. What's funny about that? coronavirus. They're using this as an opportunity for people to order Bibles. They bring the Bibles to their homes. And as soon as they bring the Bible, they start talking to people about salvation. It's a great idea. Oh my gosh, that is marvelous. I was thinking when I heard him talk about it, I thought, man, we should do a Bible delivery club. That is
0: a marvelous. It's awesome. Is that our tour yeah. yeah. What a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. When you come to verse 13, I call it the saddest verse in the New Testament. How do you like that? I like that. That'd be a good question to add to a game. What's the saddest verse in the New Testament? And here it is, you ready? Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. You say, well, why is that sad? Because take unto you is the word anna That's what is so sad. Ana means do it again, repeat it, do it like you once did it. The word labete means to take, but when you compound the two words together, It means they're not wearing the armor anymore. And now Paul says, hey guys, you need to do it again. You need to do what you used to do. You need to take the whole armor of God, put it back on, wear it again like you once walked in it. That means the church of Ephesus was not walking in power nor in the weaponry of God. And that's why Paul begins in chapter 6, verse 2, with the word, finally, now to the last and most important matter at hand. If you don't remember anything else, please let this stick out foremost in your mind. This is the message I want to stay with you. They had dropped their armor, and they were no longer walking in power as they once had. Well, when you study the beginning of the church of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, it was birthed in glorious power, power. That's where God did special miracles by the hands of Paul. Mm. Demons were cast out. People came by the thousands and burned all their occult fetishes and books, a huge bonfire right in the middle of Ephesus. The church was just born in the power of God. But we know that the church had begun to drift. In fact, it kept drifting and kept drifting and kept drifting until finally when Jesus spoke to the church of Ephesus, In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, I have somewhat
1: against you because thou
0: have left thy first first love. And in verse 5, he says, remember. Hey, guys, you need to remember what you used to be like and repent. Turn around. Which means if you've walked away from who you used to be, you can turn around and walk back. That's what the word repent really means. But I would advise you tonight, and by the way, each one of us, we need to remember. Is the fire still burning in our heart like it did earlier? Sometimes the fire burns differently as you get older. But as you get older, you're not supposed to become dead. You're supposed to remain a life ablaze, which is why I wrote my recent book called A Life Ablaze, 10 Simple Keys to Stain on Fire for God. We're supposed to remain a life ablaze. But the church in Ephesus became very sophisticated. Of course, it was the biggest church. It was training all the other preachers, all the other teachers. It was the host church to people that were coming from around the Roman Empire to be trained in ministry. They were busy, 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 but apparently they really got lost in their brains and in their development and in their structure and all they were doing and they kind of stepped away from the simplicity of the power that they once walked in. That often happens in the Christian life. You become involved you become spiritually sophisticated, and you kind of leave those elementary things that just caused you to burn like an inferno earlier in your life. Denise?
2: You know, we think that's impressive, that we do all this and that we build this and that we lead that. But what's impressive to God was different than what they thought was impressive, their heart their burning for him, their love for him.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: That was what was impressive to him.
0: In fact, in Revelation 2, 5, Jesus said to them, Remember from whence thou art Fallen. fallen. Well, in the eyes of the church world, they were the biggest church. It was the model church. It was the church of churches. Everyone talked about the church of Ephesus. That was the human perspective. But Jesus says, hey, when I compare what you are now and how you're burning now compared to the purity of fire you had in the beginning, hey, you're fallen. And in fact, the word fallen in Greek describes a completed downward fall. You're not in the process of falling. You're totally collapsed. You've already plummeted to the depths. And he says to them, remember from whence thou art fallen. Well, if you are among those that has walked away from the power of God, maybe not on purpose, maybe you just got busy. Maybe you just became a little more sophisticated in the way that you think, and you don't want to seem so primitive in your faith and so simple like you used to be. But, you know, simple is often very beautiful. Power shows up with what is simple. How do you get it back again? You repent. That's what Jesus said to the church of Ephesus. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and then he said, Do the first works. Go back and do what you did in the beginning. And now that's exactly what Paul says in this verse when he says, take unto you, go back, pick it up, do it again. Which means if the armor of God has fallen off of you and as a result, you are under attack. Well, recognize something's wrong. And the way you put this armor on is by walking in the power of God. That's why I want you to have this study guide called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to sell you this. I want you to understand how to walk in this power, how to walk in this weaponry. And when you walk in the power of God, that power of God begins to put the helmet back on, the breastplate back on. It begins to redress you in the armor of God. And it is for certain that the church of Ephesus was a church under attack because look at chapter four. Hey guys, go over to chapter four. Look at the problems they had in their church. In chapter four, verse 25, they are lying. In in verse 26, they have a problem with anger. In verse 27, they're giving place to the devil. In verse 28, they are stealing. In verse 29, corrupt communication is going out of their mouths. In verse 30, they're grieving the Holy Spirit. In verse 30, they have bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. All of those things in the great illustrious church of Ephesus. What has happened to them? They're not walking in what they knew. They have stepped away from the power of God, they have dropped their armor, and
1: now they are a church under attack. I have to ask a question because it has to do with ministry and pastoral responsibility. Paul started the Church of Ephesus, Timothy became the pastor of the Church of Ephesus for a long time. John, the Apostle John, became the pastor of the church of Ephesus. Mary lived there. And other notable bishops that we can read about in church history also served there. Oh, yeah. People came from everywhere to come
0: to Ephesus. They
1: did not have a lack of fantastic leaders. Mm -hmm. They probably had more wonderful leaders than any of the other churches in the New Testament that we know Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. So what happened? Well, Paul, you know, as time goes by
0: people adjust to their faith and what was precious to you in the beginning becomes kind of commonplace and when you treat something commonplace you don't appreciate it the way that you once did and also very often is the case that one generation that comes to Christ radically and has a powerful encounter they're transformed then they have children and their children grow up in the church and their children are around parents that are committed but their children often don't have the same dramatic encounter that their parents had. And the parents, for various reasons, don't impart it to their children. And so you have a second generation that knows Christian language, that knows Christian songs, that knows Christian behavior, knows the Lord, but they've never really had the same dramatic encounter. And if you're not very intentional about holding on to the fire from generation to generation, it begins to fade. We have to be very intentional about what we give to our kids and to our grandkids. But the point is, you can pick it up and do it again. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, 613, Wherefore take unto you, pick it up, do it again, put it back on, the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Well, can I address that phrase, having done all to stand? Most people think that that means. This is wrong, but this is how most people preach it. Now, you're going to understand how illogical this is. Here's what most people say. Put on the whole armor of God, and then, if nothing else works, just stand. Well, first of all, you're insulting God when you make that statement, because you're saying, put on the loin belt of truth, and if it doesn't work, Put on the breastplate of righteousness, and if it doesn't work, put on the shoes of peace, if it doesn't work. Put up the shield of faith, if it doesn't work. Take the shield, the sword of the Spirit, if it doesn't work. Take the helmet of salvation, if it doesn't work. Take the lance of intercession, and if it doesn't work, if none of it works, then as a last resort, just stand in faith. Well, let me tell you something. If none of this that God provides works, How do you think just standing in front of the devil is going to work? He's going to beat you to a pulp if this doesn't work. It works. So that cannot be what Paul meant. Then what did he mean? This is a classic example of a poorly translated verse. Do you know what the Greek actually says? Denise, I know that you know.
2: I know. It's so wonderful.
0: You've heard me teach this just a few times.
2: Just a few times.
0: This verse does not mean if nothing works then just stand. I'd be interested on the chat. Would you please go and chat and tell me if that's what you always heard that it meant? If nothing else works, then just stand and tough it out. No, no, no. You just stand and tough it out. The devil's going to beat you to a pulp. Then what does it mean? The Greek literally means, and having brought the battle to an ultimate conclusion, at the end of the fight, you, Will be standing. Oh, I say that God has a photo of you and me that He carries in His pocket, and it's a picture of what we look like at the end of the fight. That's what this verse is. Paul is declaring from the very outset that when this battle has been brought to a conclusion, we're not laying under the devil bleeding. We, in fact, are the ones standing with Him under our feet. I think the perfect illustration. Is of Shepherd David. David prevailed over Goliath. He ran, knocked him flat with a stone into his forehead, and then took his own sword, cut off his head, and held it up, propped his foot on top of Goliath. He prevailed over the giant. That's the picture in this verse, which means from the very beginning, God says, Hey, as you begin this fight, let me prophesy. When this battle is finished, you're not the one laying flat. It is the devil laying flat, and you are the one that is prevailing and standing at the end of the fight. Amen. Isn't
1: that awesome? Now, is that
0: a totally different take on that verse?
1: It's awesome. That's the right take on the verse. I like it. It's so awesome. Thank you. Why, why do you it. like it?
2: I love it. Why? Because it's the truth, because it's our victory, because in that is the gospel that he's defeated death, hell, and the grave, and that we are in him, that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. It proclaims everything that the gospel says.
0: And I think that most of us kind of struggle with ourselves. We think, oh, when am I ever going to get through this? Am I ever going to get through this? Am I ever going to be able to defeat this? But when you have God's perspective, God says, hey, I already see the end. No sweat. When this thing's finished, you're going to be standing. The enemy is going to be under your feet. That is a prophetic declaration for you. When your marriage thing is finished, you're going to be standing. When this virus thing is over, you're going to be standing. Mm. When this financial plague is finished, you're going to be standing. At the end of the fight, you're going to come out on top. That is what verse 13 declares, for anyone who walks in the power of God and who walks in the armor of God, you are the one who will prevail at the end of the fight. It's, Praise the Lord. It's
2: so awesome, Rick. We have to renew our mind to this truth. We, we must renew our mind to this, to this truth because the pressures, the trials, the problems, they're real. They're real, and they press on us. They press on our emotions. They press on our mind. They press on our body. But this is greater. The greater one is inside of us, and his truth that we're just learning, it's greater. It has more power. It has more muscles to push back the darkness and to show us that we are more than conquerors. Now
0: let's go to verse 14. So in verse 14, Paul then begins to describe every individual piece of weaponry. Now remind me, let's see if you were listening to Home Group last week, where did Paul get all this revelation about spiritual weaponry?
1: Paul! Because he was chained to Roman soldiers, and as he was chained to Roman soldiers, mostly in prison, he began to look at the equipment that they were carrying, and over a period of time, the Lord began to speak to him and show him spiritual truths through practical things that he saw. That's right. And
0: standing next to him was a soldier dressed in all this equipment. And day by day, day by day, day by day, as Paul would look at that soldier, he began to get concepts. He began to get revelation. The Holy Spirit will speak to you through your environment. He can speak to you through anything. He can speak to you through a bird, through a tree, through a lake, through the wind. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to Paul by what he was looking at. And the first thing that Paul writes about is the loin belt. Look at it. It says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. But he begins with the loin belt. Why would you begin with the loin belt of all things? He could have talked about the shield. It's big. It's so noticeable. He could have talked about the helmet, which is so elaborate. He could have talked about the breastplate or the sword or the lance or the shoes or the greaves. The Loin Belt? Why would he begin the list with the Loin Belt? Because the Loin Belt was a Roman soldier's most important piece of weaponry. He said, really? Absolutely. It was central to everything else. Absolutely central. Now, if I were to stand up right now and you were to describe what I have on, what would you describe first?
2: Your jacket.
0: My jacket. What next?
2: Um,
0: Everything I have on is black today. Yeah. My shirt, my pants, maybe my shoes. Or would you say, look at Rick's belt. Wow. That belt is amazing. You probably wouldn't notice it. Wow. But if I didn't have on my belt, we would all be talking about me because my pants would fall off. My belt is very important. In fact, it might be the most important thing I have on right now because my belt holds me together. That is the way it worked with a Roman loin belt. Now, what's a loin belt? Well, first of all, it protected the loins. That's very important because if the enemy kicked a man in the loins, that was the end of his productivity. Hmm. So he had to protect his loins. But... There's more than that. Now, this is a replica of a Roman loin belt. Guys, that's what that is. Is that what you expected? That is a replica of a Roman loin belt. And, of course, it went all the way around the soldier, had long straps, and it held a Roman soldier together. First of all, it protected his loins. By the way, the Bible calls this the loin belt of truth. truth. We'll come back to why in just a moment the loin belt of truth. It's very important that truth is protecting your loins. You'll see why in just a moment. I'll just go ahead and tell you. First Peter 1.23 says, we're born again by the word of God. Truth, the word of God gives us the ability to produce. Hmm. It is the productive ability of God. And when you get out of your Bible and you get out of the Word, you might run on a little steam for a little while, but eventually you will lose your productivity because all divine productivity is in the Word of God. That's why it's called the loin belt of truth. If you drop the Word of God from your life, your divine productivity will begin slowly to dissipate. But there's something else. On one side of the loin belt, there was a clip. And on that clip... Guess what? Hung the sword of the Roman soldier. See this clip right here? It hung on the loin belt. Now listen real careful. What is the sword called? It's called the sword of the spirit, Spirit, which is the word of God. That word, word, is the word rhema. Well, the loin belt represents truth, which is the Bible. Mm -hmm. Every rhema that you ever get Mm -hmm. It will come out of the Bible. So every rhema you have is attached to the Word of God. And if you don't have the Word of God central in your life, it's probably unlikely that you will ever get the rhema that you need for every individual situation that you face. So the sword hung on the loin belt. But on the other side of the loin belt, there was another clip. And on that clip, a Roman soldier hung his shield when he was not using his shield, and the shield represents faith. Faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of, word of God. That's why it was attached to the loin belt of truth. If you don't have a loin belt, there's nothing for your faith to rest upon. If the Bible's not active in your life, your faith will dissipate. You'll have no sword of the spirit. you'll have no faith. The loin belt was central for all these pieces of weaponry. Now that is amazing to me. And in the life of a Christian, the loin belt of truth is the Bible. It is the Bible. It is central to your spiritual life. And of all of these pieces of weaponry, it is the only piece of weaponry that you can touch with your physical hands and look at with your physical eyes. You can't see faith. You can see the manifestation of it, the action of it. You can see that people are saved, but you can't see a helmet of salvation. You can see that people are bold when they know that they're righteous, but you can't see that breastplate. There's only one weapon that you can actually touch and put in your hand and put in your eyes, and that is... The loin belt, the Bible. The Bible, the loin belt of truth Here is the most important piece of weaponry that you have, so important that it passed from the spirit realm into the natural realm, and you can actually hold it in your hands, and it is the most central piece of weaponry that you have. And if the Bible is active in your life, then you will have a sword of the Spirit when you need it. If the Bible is active in your life, your faith will be engaged. If the Bible is active in your life, you will have on your shoes of peace because Colossians chapter 3 tells us when the word of God dwells in us, the peace of God dwells in us. If you get out of your Bible, you will lose your sense of peace. And if you get out of your Bible, it won't be long until you begin to lose your sense of righteousness, even though you are, you begin to lose the sense of it and if you don't know your bible you can't even put on the helmet of salvation because the helmet of salvation is wrapping your brain with truth about everything that is in your salvation that truth comes from the bible bible the bible is the most central piece of weaponry that we have now I want to read some verses from psalm 119 that I just love about the Bible. Listen to this. I'm just going to read these to you. Psalm 119. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Thou hast commanded us to keep what? Thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. It's talking about the centrality of the word of God. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments, that's the word of God. I will keep thy statutes, that's the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, over and over and over and over and over. And finally, in verse 19, open thou my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth, hide not thy commandments from me. The psalmist understood the need to have the Bible. The scripture center in his life. And Psalm 119 (laughs) is the strongest statement about the centrality of the scriptures in our life. It has to be the very heart of our life. And if we're walking in the loin belt of truth, which is the Bible, we'll have all these other pieces of weaponry. They're all tied to the loin belt, which is the Bible. And we're out of time. Did you enjoy this? I loved it. I'm sorry, we're out of time, guys. So sorry. But I'm looking forward to coming back tomorrow. And tomorrow we're going to see about that breastplate of righteousness. And I'm not going to ask Paul Renner to put it on because it is heavy. But it's going to be good. So go to sleep. Sleep well. Claim Psalm 4.8. I lay me down in peace and sleep and the Lord will keep me safely. That's your verse. That's better than any sleeping medication you could ever take. Just claim it when you put your head on the pillow. Sleep good. Wake up tomorrow. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: If that teaching helped you, would you please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.